Hey, I'm Erin Bridgman, a money mindset and management coach for the creative entrepreneur. I'm the girl behind the wealthy woman movement that's reaching thousands and expanding each and every month. And I'm so glad you've decided to join this community too. Welcome to the Wealthy Woman Podcast for creative female entrepreneurs looking to get strategic with their money. I believe that wealthy women will change the world. And in this podcast, we include money-related mindset and management tips and practical business advice you can apply right away. No fluff here. It's time to take action. Let me shoot it to you straight. Talking about money is like talking about sex. It's vulnerable and uncomfortable, but so necessary. And that's why I've created a judgment-free zone where women like you can trade the shame and money skeletons in your closet with empowerment and confidence that helps you master your money. I'm both the creative and the nerd, the no bullshit friend and your hype girl. And I'm excited to be your guide on your money journey. All your dreams are tied to money. So it's time to get that money working for you so you can make your dreams a reality together. Your business should be the catalyst to living your dream life. So don't let your money be the obstacle. Grab your notebook and your favorite drink and let's dive in. Hello, wealthy women, and welcome to another episode of the Wealthy Woman Podcast. I am really excited to have Tiffany on the show today. Welcome, Tiffany. Hi. I said when we started recording two things, because, you know, there's always the pre-conversation before you press mm-hmm. record. One, I was like so excited to meet Tiffany because she's been like a friend in the DMs and now I actually <laughs> get to meet her. And two, she has the Swan wallpaper that I've been <laughs> obsessed with on the, the real estate interior design side. And I feel very validated that you have the Swan wallpaper. I love my swan wallpaper. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I know we're going to have a really fun, helpful conversation about the challenge of how do we work to scale, not just start businesses, Mm -hmm. but what does that like next level um, look like? And, but before we get into that, can you just share a little bit about you, who you are and your business? Absolutely. Uh, I'm a Louisiana gal living in Nashville, Tennessee, and I've been an entrepreneur for going on 12 years now. Prior to that, I was 10 plus years in the corporate world, and um, I've done a little bit of everything. I'm a very stereotypical entrepreneur. I've had five businesses, both (laughs) product-based and brick and mortar and service-based. I mean, you name it, I've done it. And now I feel really honored and grateful. We were chatting before this, but I'm just like, I'm in such a happy place right now with what I'm doing. I'm, I'm serving as a business coach for other creative women and helping them grow and scale their businesses and, and find their confidence and their sea legs as, as entrepreneurs. And it brings me so much joy. Um, but yeah, that's the nutshell of it. I love how you described it. Will you tell me what you said when you were talking about your Uh group and how it makes you feel. (laughs) Yeah. So I run this membership called the Up Leveler Society, which is all obviously for creative women. And we meet once a week and we were just on the call today. And I was, I was realizing as I was on that call that the feeling I identified was with was that feeling you have when you're like kind of in love and you have like a little bit of adrenaline pumping through your body. And I was just looking at everybody on the zoom call. And I felt that I felt just like kind of jittery and excited and just so dang happy. So beautiful. And people listening in on this conversation, I hope that you recognize that that is for your taking as well. And that you're holding the space of belief for everyone listening that that Mm. is possible for them as they create their business and they strive Mm. to grow their wealth in such aligned ways. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah. 
Okay, this is going to be a really fun chat, why it's harder to scale a business to start a business. And I'm sure this comes from your story <laughs> and you sharing, you know, I've done five different things. We got it. So tell us a little bit about like this, when, obviously you've started five businesses, but now you're in this really aligned place and you're scaling. So what's that journey been from starting to scaling for you? Gosh, every different business that I have run has had a different journey, obviously. And some, you know, I scaled and then I got burnt out. Some I scaled and then I realized, wait, this doesn't feel aligned with me. I, I want to quit, you know, which that's a whole other thing. People think quit's a four-letter word and it's just not. Um, but every every journey has looked different. And, and I had this epiphany, um, I don't know, maybe six months ago when I was realizing Everybody talks about starting a business, especially right now in our current atmosphere. Everybody's talking about leaving a corporate job and starting a business. But I think as someone who's been around for a while, that it's harder to scale your business than it is to start a business, which is kind of a controversial thing to say for some people. But um, I'm excited to dive in more with you on what I mean by that, because there's a lot of lessons to learn both in the beginning and after you've been, you know, as you've been doing it for a while. Yeah. So let's just dive in. So tell me like a little bit about why you think it's harder to scale than to start. Okay. So when you start a business, here's what I've noticed. You're so excited, right? Like you're like, oh my gosh, I'm jumping off the deep end or whatever. And so you're excited. You have momentum. You have adrenaline pumping through you. You know, there's so much like the potential feels endless and you don't know what you don't know. I kind of think of it like the childbirth story. (laughs) Now, like we as women keep having babies, even though it's painful because we forget about the painful part. So when you're starting the business, you don't know yet about the pain that's coming your way. Right. And it's inevitable as you grow a business, you're going to hit speed bumps. You're going to hit roadblocks. You're going to have failures. You're going to hear no. It's not it's not if it's when. Right. So when you begin, I just feel like there's a lot of momentum there for you and a lot of excitement and a lot of enthusiasm. And what happens oftentimes is we burn ourselves out or we hear that first no and we're like, wait, I wasn't prepared for that. Now what? And we're not able to be nimble and pivot. Um, We lose track of how important it is to stay curious throughout that process. Um, And also we realize pretty quickly, (laughs) I think, once you start a business, you realize pretty quickly, oh, this is about more than just the skill set that I'm good at right? Like if I was a great graphic designer and I decided to go out and start my own graphic design agency, this is about more than just being good at graphic design. Now I have to be good at marketing and bookkeeping, and maybe I'm growing a team and I have to become a good leader and and sales all of a sudden is on my plate. And so I just think when you start, you're a little bit um, oblivious in a good way to some of that. And then once you're in it, And all these things start facing you and you're like, okay, I have a lot more on my plate than I anticipated. And then to go back to that failure thing, like the longer you're in it, the more no's you're going to hear. And so um, just by nature, like to scale, you really have to have thick skin and you really have to believe it in your, in your why, like you have to let that be louder than the, than the voice of, of doubt. Right. So that's why I think it's harder to to scale than to grow, than to start a business, harder to scale than to tend to start. I think like you're speaking to my soul too in this. <laughs> and I think it's like, so, you know, just honest, you know, mm-hmm. it is, you have to have that t- tough skin and you have to be able to like endure to not give up. And to like, I think that the, every level of business, like there's just like a new 
joy and a new challenge. Yeah. So whether it's like, hey, it was just me and it was just me and that was so much. And now I have people and that's so great. And I have people and it's so hard, you know? Uh-huh. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's like there's different little gifts and challenges that we come across, I think, as we grow and as we and and I think it's like you do, like you have that like Twitter pated love when you're first starting. Like this could be so big and amazing. And I also love that you bring up like this, you, you don't, you're a great graphic designer, but you need so much more as you work to grow your business. And you talked about like all the different facets of all the different hats you as an entrepreneur. But I think a huge part of it is you you have to have the mindset to endure. Like you have to have the grit Mm-hmm. to get through you don't have to you don't just log in and gra- do graphic design I right. mean you got to be able to face all of the demons that come inside of your head and the challenges in your thought life and um yeah yeah I think yeah I call those talk to- our toxic dragons uh all those limiting beliefs that are again inevitable and going to pop up I call them our toxic dragons I think because I needed to have a mental image on like okay I'm gonna tame that dragon today um (laughs) and it just stuck with me but I call them our toxic dragons and I'm I'm always saying like we're not ever going to slay those dragons okay that's not the goal here we're not gonna suddenly like one day oh imposter syndrome I'm done with you I slayed you no, it doesn't work like that. But we can start to tame those dragons, right? If we're really intentional about recognizing it, noticing it, um, and then kind of putting that dragon in the corner, I think of it as like, we're just slowly taming the dragon so that one day the dragon doesn't scare us anymore. It's, it's just a calm little, you know, um, pet dragon in the corner. Little and that's cute fine. dragon. <laughs> yeah, just a cute little dragon. Um, so yeah, I call those our toxic dragons. And we all have them. And we've, we're familiar with most of them, I think. Perfectionism, imposter syndrome, self-doubt, fear of failure, fear of success, right? They go, the list is long. Well, I love that. I love that analogy and how concisely you put that. I was just on a call with a client earlier today and she's like, I mean, yeah, like this money mindset, we've still got a lot of work to do. Like we're going to continue working together. So we're having that conversation. And I said, this is a lifelong journey. Okay. Just to, so you know, like this isn't like, and I have the perfect, I mean, I'm a money coach and I have money mindset issues. Wow. You know, I know. But, and it is, it's just, but it is about like, um, your level of being comfortable, your ability to navigate the blocks faster, your ability to, you know, be healthy despite the challenge and that kind of thing. So I love how you talked about like, that was perfect. I'm probably going to steal that. I'll give you credit. Yes, it's all yours. (laughs) (laughs) We're taming taming the dragons today. Yes. (laughs) I love that. That's so key. And I think for those, for all of us in this conversation, those listening, like, to, to know like you're not alone like mm-hmm. Tiffany I'm sure you have dragons that yes. you are working a hundred percent and I have dragons that I am you know in this moment like okay like am I I'm looking at my numbers from this past year strategizing for next year and it's like oh my gosh is it gonna work and people gonna join me are we mm-hmm. you know we have that and so wherever level you're at in your business you're not alone and I just like love that we can have this honest conversation this transparent mm-hmm. conversation that like no matter your level of years or success like we are still humans trying to figure it all out and uh-huh. uh, yeah in a changing landscape that's changing every day right 
yeah absolutely yeah like Instagram, <laughs> yeah Instagram nobody wants Instagram everyone's saying oh whatever you yeah know. yeah totally um, shine your light and people will come but um <laughs> so what did that look like for you like how long have you been doing the coaching thing and like Tiffany you're so successful I mean you've got a group program which to be able to launch and have people come into your program I mean that's a lot of work that's that is being able to be really um yeah successful in this industry so how long have you been doing this and what has your journey of scaling kind of looked like yeah so my coaching journey um because it's my fifth business it's 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 proceeded with a little bit more speed than my previous businesses so if you're listening and you're new please do not compare my journey to yours okay that is a that is a dead end trap trap door um so I started my coaching business officially in 2020, March of 2020. We all know that date, right? I oh, was coaching. God. I always, uh, I was about to have a baby in two weeks in the middle. Oh yeah, my that God. My, that was my March of 2020. Oh my God. But prior to that, I mean, I still run a PR and branding agency and I had been coaching several of my clients. I just wasn't calling myself a coach. Um, I had been kind of, I don't want to say I was, I was adverse to the idea, but two of my previous business coaches had both said to me over the years, Tiffany, you should be a business coach. And I was like, no, I got my hands full. I'm not interested. Right. And so I had been coaching. I just wasn't calling myself a coach. And then March of 2020 happened and I was asked to lead a webinar for a group. And, um, and really that was my first time to kind of say, okay, I'm going to step into this role and see how it feels. And it felt amazing. And the response was incredible. And so thus began my journey. And I, I launched with a group program and I did that group program for about a year before I started doing one-on-ones. And then about six months into that is when I launched my membership. And it's just been like this crazy trajectory. And I'm so grateful for it. Um, but I did put pause on my group program not the membership program, but I had a group coaching program as well. And I burnt myself out pretty quickly on that. That was my lesson. I had to learn the hard way um, because I just tried to replicate it too many times in too short of a window. It made me a lot of money, but I was also really tired. So now I really just focus on the membership and the one-on-ones. And I mean, um, yeah, it was my fastest scaling business to date. I mean, I, I my first year I made maybe 40,000. My second year I was at six figures, which is pretty pretty fast for you know a brand new business idea. Um, but again, I say that and, and let you know that like, I'm not sure that that's been the journey of all of my businesses, you know, um, to be hitting six figures within the first 12 months felt really, felt really good. Felt like I had learned a lot so far and I was able to launch this business in my smartest, most efficient way possible. Yes. That's what life and, and years do for us. So what advice do you have for somebody who is scaling right now? Mm. Whew, okay. My advice, if you're scaling right now, um, well, first of all, my advice is going to be probably you're going to think this is counterintuitive, but I'm going to say my first bit of advice to you is to take a beat. Um, if you're scaling and you're struggling a little bit, I would say take a beat. I know it feels like minutes matter, but when you're talking about scaling, we're talking long-term sustainability, right? We're talking about a business that is sustainable, that continues to make money, no matter how many more clients you get, services you sell, products you move. So in order for that to work, you really have to do your due diligence. We all know that phrase, um, measure, measure twice, cut once when you're yes. talking about like, oh okay. my gosh, my dad's a woodworker. So yes. Okay. Yes. So it's like that when we're scaling, we want to measure twice because once you start the scaling process, it gets harder to go back and make changes. So that means we need to make sure that 
the packages are repeatable in that scalable model, right? Not everything, not everything does well. Not all, more is not always better. Not everything is like set up for, for success when you're scaling. So we want to make sure we've done our due diligence on like, is this, is this actually, you know, something that we can accomplish and still deliver the end goal that we're, um, you know, known for delivering? Do we have the system set up in place? Have we crunched those numbers as we, as we sell more? Do we know what we're going to have, you know, available to spend on more team members or more machines or whatever it might be, you know? So take a beat um, and spend some time getting really honest with the, the nuts and bolts of things before you be walk before you run walk before you run. Huge. I love that. Yeah. So counterintuitive, right? For those leaning in. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, let's go. What's it? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. And if that feels scary and you're like, I don't know how to walk before I run because I work, I work with a lot of, of, of women like that, then bring in outside help. Bring in a third party who's not emotionally connected to your business, who can look at the black and white for you and tell you, yep, you're ready. You're good. Or say, hey, I think you need to kind of fiddle with this over here before you're really ready for takeoff. Mm, yeah. Any other things like wide net things that you want to say advice for those scaling now, like what to prioritize mm -hmm. after taking a beat, anything else you want to say for that? Yeah. The two things I would prioritize when scaling are systems and your team leadership. How are you leading them? How are you setting them up for success? And your systems should support that, right? But if you're scaling and your team isn't fully bought in to where y'all are going, you're going to have issues. Um, you know, turnover is expensive. So you want to, again, spend the money to make sure that you are leading by example, that everyone's on the same page, that they know where they're going. And when you scale, what can happen is people can get fearful because they're afraid they're going to be replaced or they're afraid someone else is going to come in and they're going to have a new boss or, you know, there's a lot of things that can come, that can bring up people's fears. And we're not quote unquote responsible for their fears, but we are responsible for holding a safe space for them, right? And making sure that we are giving them whatever they need to feel like they're set up for success. And so that might mean um, having some honest, you know, team meetings and making sure that you tell them, hey, I'm not replacing you. We're growing. And I see this as your trajectory here in this company. And like having those conversations before you might think to have them so that they, they stay bought in and they still feel like, okay, I'm a valuable member of this team. Yeah. So important to lead your people well, because <laughs> yeah. they become such an intricate and integral part of your business. Absolutely. Yep. I know that you, we talked a little bit about um, mindset and, and success, but what beliefs do you think tend to get in the way of someone's success as they get further into big business and they're no longer that starter? Oh gosh, this is, this is good. This is actually easy because I just had a call with a couple of members about this. So with every level that we are reaching our business, we're going to have new mindset issues that show up that we're like, oh, I didn't see you coming, right? So uh, in the beginning, it can be that you don't feel like you're worthy, that you can't charge that much or that no one's going to hire you. Then let's say you got the big client, you nailed the big, you know, big account or whatever it is. And now what I see happen is it's like, oh no, am I good enough? Or, oh no, am I going to disappoint them? Or, oh no, am I really cut out for this? So with every level, there's just more limiting beliefs that we become aware of. And I always say awareness is step one. So I think it's just so important that you stay curious about like, okay, what story is on repeat for me right now? And is that helping me? 
or is that holding me back? Mm. So good. Yes. I remember when I, this is probably, I don't even know how many years and years and years ago. I had the, you know, oh my gosh, will anybody pay this? This was when I was moving, switching my coaching model and I like quadrupled my rate, created a program, all this. And that sort of those two things you just talked about there is, you know, first I was like, oh my gosh, will anybody pay it? And then I had, I wanted four people in the first month to sign up and four people signed up. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I don't think I can do anything for these people. I think I'm about to get their money back. What am I doing? What happened? You know? And then it's like, can I sustain that? You know, and there's still, there's just like next level, next yeah. level, different thoughts yeah. that we have to kind mm-hmm. of face. What's one thing that you wish you would have known before you mm. started your business? I wish I had known a lot of things actually. Cause again, you know, blindly leaping off the cliff. Um, But I wish I would have known that people are what are going to catapult you to the next level of success. People. I think I kind of alienated myself a little bit in the first few years of my journey because I was just head down doing the work. And I was so, um, and I still am, you know, I'm really lit up by my work. I've always been an achiever. I've always been a goal getter. I was, you know, pretty much a straight A student. Like, I've just always been of that mentality. And so it was easy for me to put my head down and kind of like put my blinders on and, and alienate myself a little bit. And in reality, I think I probably would have grown faster and experienced less hiccups and headaches if I had instead recognized how important it was to surround myself with people who were either on a similar journey or who, have, who had ever, who had already walked that path before me. If I could have found those people earlier on, like I didn't hire my first business coach, Zach, until 2000 and I want to say 14, but maybe it was 13, which was only a couple years into my journey, but I think it was 14. I think it was three years into my journey when I found, when I found Zach, didn't even know what a business coach was at the time, was real suspicious of what he was going to be able to do for me. And he changed everything for me, literally changed the game for me. Um, and, uh, and, and it wasn't necessarily that we did anything. I mean, we did do major things, but, but more than that, it was having someone in my corner, listening, seeing me, supporting me, cheering me on, um, you know, telling me that I was farther ahead than I realized. Cause again, I didn't realize how, how loud my limiting beliefs were because I wasn't asking anybody to chime in. So people will catapult you. So find your tribe, find someone who's walked that journey before you find other business owners that you can surround yourselves with, find a coach, find a guide, find a mentor, find a tribe. Yeah. Sure. Your people that you, what the saying is, is what you are the sum of the five people you surround yourself with. And yeah. I, I found that so critical that in the joys you want us to have people to celebrate with. It's pretty mm-hmm. sad to just like have a huge win and be like, cool. I guess now I'm going to celebrate by yeah. myself. Yeah. And in the hardships, you know, um, having those people in, in yes, very specifically and tactically, they can be, give you tips and things that will help you scale and give yeah. you that connection or, but I think more than that is just like having people to be around you and fuel you and keep you going is huge and it sounds like a business coaching has been having a business coach mentor has been a huge part for you how have you found I've actually uh 
sadly have ha- not had great experiences. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I've had some bad experiences too. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but more good than bad. The good, good. has outweighed the bad. Yeah. Good. What, what have been some things that you have identified? Like if people are trying to figure out like a, a mentor or a business coach, like yeah. what are some ways that you've gone about figuring out who you're going to hire, who you're going to work with? Um, I mean, I'm a pretty intuitive person and I really have learned how to trust my gut. That being said, as I just mentioned, I've made mistakes in the past. And if I was being really honest and reflective, I would look back and realize that I was kind of ignoring my gut in those moments. Um, And so obviously I'm always going to say like, listen to your gut, but on a more like, you know, tactical level, I would say a couple of things. Look for somebody who's, again, I've said it already, but like if they haven't walked your path, don't ask them for directions, right? So look for somebody who's done a similar line of business as you. So if you're a graphic designer and you want to scale an agency, look for someone who's launched an agency. You know, it doesn't have to be graphic design. Like I coach a lot of graphic designers. I had a PR and branding agency, but they're similar, right? Like the structure is the same. So look for someone who's built a business that's similar to yours. If you're a product-based business, maybe you want to look for a product-based business coach because those are, those are different things, right? Um, So you want someone who has experience in what you're doing and then do not be afraid. This is where I messed up. Do not be afraid to ask their previous clients for direct like testimonials, like we can read the testimonials on a website. That's great. But I give anyone who's interested in work with me, I give you full disclosure, full access to any of my previous clients. You can call them up. You can send them DMS and ask them what it's really like to work with me. Because I think if I had done that in those moments where I kind of made a mistake, I probably would have made a different decision. And so I say like transparency is like, we're living in a time of smoke and mirrors, (laughs) So do your due diligence. If you're going to invest with someone, you owe it to yourself, you owe it to your business, and you owe it to your customers and clients to do your due diligence. Um, so that would be my, my two pieces of advice would be. And then obviously, how do they make you feel? Like get on the phone with them and hop on a Zoom with them. And how do they make you feel? If they don't make you feel good, it's, that's your gut, you know? That's like, your gut, that's that. intuition. Yes, I love that. And do you, I, do you actually have like, here are my past clients and here's how to contact them? Yeah. When you hop on a one-on with me, I say, I I offer it to you. I say, do you want to talk to some of my previous clients? And they say, yes. And I have a list of previous clients and I try to update it so that they don't get bombarded. But, and then I'm like, okay, here's their emails. Here's their names. Here's their website. I just, I think that I I do that as well with my, I'm like, talk to people. You don't know me. Maybe you like just came across my, you know, you don't know me from anybody. So talk to people who've worked with me, but I like the efficiency of like, here's a list, go talk (laughs) to whoever you want to talk to. I put it in your hands. I'm not going to navigate that, but I, I, you know, I make sure my clients have a heads up, like, so they don't, they don't get um, caught off guard or whatever, but I have like, I usually give people at least three people to choose from so that if someone doesn't respond promptly, you can go to the next. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So then also like our colleagues, right? Like the people that, you know, choosing someone ahead of us and then choosing people around us. And this is I currently am in a peer mastermind from a mastermind I paid for. We created our own peer mastermind and that's been same. Really, that's I love it. I love when you don't have to pay for friends. Uh-huh. You already yeah. paid for them and you can keep yeah. <laughs> same. That's exactly what we it's did. Been, yeah. We actually have a retreat. We're, we planned it ourselves. Like we're same. like on a Zoom and so we're coming, we're doing St. Louis in a few weeks awesome. and we have an active text message that if we need help, we, but there's not like, and we have a call a month. So 
Yeah. So, but like, what has that been like for you? Like how, I mean, entrepreneurship can be very lonely. I mean, you are doing your thing at your computer and so what has it looked like for you, your journey of building that community around you? Yeah. So when, so I started my businesses in new Orleans and in new Orleans, there were a ton of entrepreneurs, a ton of creatives. So I kind of got lucky because all of my friends in that community were also entrepreneurs. However, when I came back to Nashville in 2017, I did not feel like I had found that tribe of people. And so I jumped around to a couple of different co-working spaces until one day I got a DM from someone who was opening an all women co-working space in Nashville. And she was like, do you want to come take a hard hat tour? And I was like, yes, sign me up. I paid in full on the dot dotted line. Like, and it didn't even open for like six more months, but I was just like bought in and that community has changed everything for me. So that's actually the community that I hosted that workshop for back in March of 2020. Um, And, you know, I didn't know anybody at the time, but I was willing to like hop on a Zoom and lead a session and teach. And through that, I met so so many of my first clients. So many of my first group members came from that Zoom um, or those Zooms. And and that community has just been really great to me. But, you know, so find a community that you can get involved with, but then also recognize that like how you show up is what you're going to get out of it in any scenario right? Like you and I both just saying that like, we've started our own peer masterminds out of a mastermind. That's because of how we showed up. So for me, I had, you know, I was like, Hey, all y'all, I love y'all. I'm not probably going to do this big mastermind again next year, but would y'all want to create a little mastermind? You know, and that's because I showed up and I made those connections. And even with the co-working space, like I show up, I lead a free coaching session there once a month. Um, it's tomorrow. Um, it's always on the first Thursday of every month, but, you know, just find a space where you can, um, meet people, but then figure out what feels good to you to show up and actually make connections because just putting yourself in the room is not always going to be enough, especially if you're a little introverted, like I can be. Yeah. And I think it's like, we're talking about your network and how I think this is so in line with scaling. I mean, this is how you scale. I mean, I think is having, the support, having the connections, the network, the, I mean, there's times where like, what software do you use for this or what, you know, like, and this is so critical. I mean, I think for every stage of um, entrepreneurship and um, definitely to keep you in it for the long run, you know? Yeah. And Insta- I mean, I was just going to say, I mean, you and I, like Instagram has been great for me as well with meeting people, finding people, um, you know, several of the coaches inside my membership I've met on Instagram, you know, so you can find, even if you live in an area where you don't have an all women's co-working space or something like I mentioned, um, there's ways to get creative and find people. You can go on Eventbrite and find all kinds of cool meetups and events happening in your town. And, you know, you really do just um, have to put yourself out there. You really do. There's no denying that. And, you know, like, I love that you brought up in like, if you don't have a cool vibey, you know, female (laughs) co-working space, like I reached out to you randomly because I saw that you were in a mastermind. I was considering joining. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'm just going to like ask this girl seems super cool. I probably stalked you a little bit. I was like, she's (laughs) approachable. I'm just going to send her a DM and chatted a few times since then. And now you're on my podcast and it can be that easy. It can be, I mean, I think try not to overcomplicate it and just like be you and just like do the ass. People aren't scary. A lot of people are so They're really not. We're all just people. (laughs) 
We're all just people. I mean, I've done the same thing with a platform. Like it was a platform that was recruiting me pretty heavily recently. And I was like, I don't know. I'm kind of skeptical. I don't know if this is going to be worth my time. And so I did some digging and I found someone on there that had used their platform that like you, like she looked approachable to me. And I just slid into her DMs and I was like, hey, you don't know me from Adam, but you know, I came across you and I like your vibe and you look similar to me. And so I just wanted to see if you'd be willing to give me some honest feedback on this platform. And we had a discussion and that was great. But like, yeah, people are not as scary as you think. And if they don't have time for you or they don't respond, it's not personal. Yeah. And they're just not your person. So whether it's they just had a baby or they're having a time or whatever it is, like, There are those people that are your people. I love this conversation. I did not know we were going to like park on this. And this is (laughs) is so good. I know. Uh, Okay. So as we wrap up this conversation around scaling and um, what would you say for the person who is feeling on the edge of total burnout, feeling overwhelmed, what advice do you have for them to keep going and to keep scaling? Okay. Okay. This is going to be another kind of tangible one. So if you're taking notes or if you can take notes, take notes, because I'm going to give you two, a two-step approach, okay? If you're feeling burnt out, you're feeling overwhelmed, you're feeling tired. First of all, we've all been there. Um, but if you're feeling that way, it probably means you're spending your time doing something that's not moving the needle in your business. And we can all get stuck in a cycle, whether it be Instagram or blogs, or it's like kind of our version of keeping up with the, it's the entrepreneurial version of keeping up with the Joneses, right? So the truth of the matter is, and you might not want to hear this, but you're probably doing some things that aren't moving the needle. So we need to, we need to take a beat and we need to ask ourselves two questions. Number one, what do you want your business to look like in six months? That's the first question I want you to ask yourself, be really honest. What do you want your business to look like in six months? What kind of money do you want to bring in? How many clients do you want to serve? Like what magazine do you want to be on the cover on? Whatever it is, like, what do you want your business to look like in six months? And then the second thing is, if you knew you couldn't fail, what would you do today that would impact that six month goal? And then go do that one thing, put everything else to the side and go do that one thing, because that's how we start to interrupt the rhythm that maybe this unhealthy pattern we've gotten into. And we say, okay, I know I thought on my list today, I had like 15 things to do, but none of those impact that six month goal that I just said to myself. So I'm going to put all that to the side and I'm going to do this one thing today. And it's just that one little step that next step, that next step that adds up and gets us to where we're trying to go. Mm. Oh my gosh. Like everybody go press, stop, rewind. <laughs> we can give it to that tape. No, you're on, you're on Spotify or whatever. And like, just listen to the past 90 seconds and then like, just go journal right after this yeah. show's over, because that was, that's huge. And that's exactly it like I love that often you what you said like if you're overwhelmed if you're burnt you're probably doing stuff that's like killing your soul and also not make and if it's killing your soul it's not helping your business because you're exactly. dying so yeah it doesn't matter that's a lose-lose scenario yeah, yeah. Oh, so good. Oh my goodness, Tiffany. Thank you. You are, yeah. you are dreams, just like your wallpaper, just like oh. I, I knew you would be from our Instagram DM combos. Like, oh. thanks for just being so grounded, so uh, transparent. And uh, this conversation, I think I love it because it is like, oh, it's kind of taboo. It's kind of like ooh, a little like, I don't know how I feel yeah. about this. And I know yeah, you like, might not want to so hear important. it, but 
Yeah. Yeah. And so good. And I want people to be running the marathon of entrepreneurship, not just the sprints as we work to scale our personal wealth and change the world as women who are heart centered and empowered with money. And so this Mm -hmm. conversation is so in aligned with my heart and the desire to keep women in the game long-term. So thank you. Yeah. Oh my God. Thank you. And same. I want more. I, I feel like more women with more money. Oh, that's, that's where I want us to all head, you know, that's, that's my heartbeat. That's my soul work. That's what I'm working on. So yeah, I love it. Um, okay. So let's do some rapid fire questions and we'll end with, I know you have something for people to sign up for that I'm signing up for, cause I'm pretty excited about it and where people can find you. So yeah. before let's do these rapid fire. So what's your earliest memory of money and how has it impacted you? Okay. So my earliest memory of money, I, (laughs) I don't think I've ever told anybody this. I used to obsess over counting the coins in my piggy banks and like organizing them by year, like 1975 pennies, 1976 pennies. Right. Um, I was obsessed with it. I was like my favorite game. (laughs) And, um, and I did it a lot. I still have those piggy banks, by the way, one looks like a little train one's a pig. Um, so those are my earliest memories of money. And, and my mom has always joked that she would give, I have an older sister and she would always joke that she could give me a dollar and stuff a dollar. And in one year I would have a dollar and 10 and my sister would have negative 10 because I was the saver. My sister was the spender. (laughs) So how has that materialized in your life now? Like the version of you that would count your pennies and like what do you, how do you see that still living out in you now? Do you? I do. I, I actually spent quite a bit of time um, in starting in 2017 and, and obviously every day from then on out, really working on some money mindset issues and recognizing that I was operating with under a sense of fear for lack of better you know way to put it really just like fear that money was hard to come by or that money was hard to earn or hard to keep. And I think if I'm being really honest, that probably does date way back to being a child and being so meticulous and wanting to make sure that all my coins were still in my piggy bank. And, you know, as a child, you don't have a way to make money. So it makes sense that maybe I was, you know, subconsciously kind of ingraining into my mind that like I had to hold on to this money. Right. And so, yeah, it impacted me. It impacted me. Um, I would notice that when I was paying someone, whether it be like the clerk at a grocery store or a check that I would feel this sense of like, oh no, more money leaving my account. And I really had to work on healing that and realizing that I had to give money to get money. And that was a big journey for me. Powerful, connected all the way back to little Tiffany and her piggy banks. Yes, hundred percent, yeah. Typically always is, right? We mm-hmm. can go back in our journey and see where we've adapted really powerful, helpful beliefs and ones that are like definite money blocks. Yeah, totally. What's a money moment you're most proud of? Oh gosh. Oh, okay. A money moment I'm most proud of. is probably when I finally handed some money over to a financial advisor. Um, just because it was something that I had lived under this belief for such a long time that I didn't know how to do that. I didn't have enough money for that. Um, you know, just all these, this nonsense that was living in my mind. And then finally I was like, no, you know what? I think I need to do this. And, um, and I love my financial advisor. I just had a call with him last week and it makes me feel so grown up. And it also just makes me feel really proud of how far I've come and how hard I've worked. 
um, to get to where I am. I'm a single woman, 43 years old, and I've worked really, really hard to be self-sufficient and have the money that I have in the accounts that I have. And I'm really proud of that. Heck yeah. That's a moment to be proud of. I love that. Yeah. If I were to give you a hundred thousand dollars right now, what would you Mm -hmm. do with it? Well, I'd probably give 50 of it to Scott, my financial advisor. I definitely (laughs) give some money to him. It's a good time to invest. Um, I would give some money to him. I would take probably at least 10 of that and I'd go to Paris. I'd, I'd take myself on a trip. I would go and just like book the, the nice, you know, business or first class trip and go to Paris. That's my favorite place on earth. Um, and I'd probably take what's left. What is that left? 40. Um, gosh, I, I don't know. I might take a little bit of that and use it next year on things that would make my life easier, like meal, um, deliveries and, house cleaning and all these things that kind of like eat into my time, but I know I could um, either be taking care of myself or, you know, um, growing the membership during that time. So maybe I'd set up, I'd add up what I would need for that. And then the rest of it, I would invest back into the business, whether it be through my team or marketing, marketing strategies for 2023. I love it. You like, you've got that all. Somebody give Look, her a hundred thousand dollars. She'll do something I have with an, it. <laughs> I have an app on my phone, by the way, you probably know this. I have the secret money app on my phone. Have you heard of it? Yeah. It gives you like cool money, um, affirmations yeah. and stuff like that. And stuff. Yep. Yeah. So I spend my money every day. I'm like, I'm up to like $450,000 that I get to my imaginary money that I get to spend every day. I, love I think it. about this a lot. This is great. It's a good thing to think about. Yeah. Um, what's the hardest lesson you've had around money? It's probably still is this concept that, um, that it's okay to spend money. Mm-hmm. It's probably just that. And um, so I made up a little narrative with a good friend of mine who was kind of on the same journey as, as me with money mindset back in 2017, where we decided to, to, to say that money was like Cheetos. Don't ask. I don't, I don't, don't ask me where the Cheetos came from because neither one of us eats Cheetos, sorry, Cheetos, but, um, <laughs> there was a while there while I was, where I was actually trending on the, the hashtag Cheetos because of this whole thing. Okay. Oh no. Yeah, which is hilarious. If you know me at all, I'm like matcha queen, yogi, Cheetos. Um, but we decided to start thinking of money like Cheetos. In other words, it's easy to find Cheetos, right? You can go to the grocery store aisle, there's Cheetos. You can go to the gas station or the bodega or the corner store, there's Cheetos. And we just thought Cheetos are easy. And um, so we decided to start thinking about money being like Cheetos. Oh, it's easy. I just got some Cheetos on my front doorstep. And we would actually send each other bags of Cheetos in the mail or hide Cheetos throughout the house. This is so embarrassing. <laughs> like I'd, op- so I'd fun. open the cabinet and I always had this like little bag of Cheetos there just as a reminder to me that like, oh, look, there it is. It's so easy to find Cheetos. So that's, <laughs> that's my whole, st- I still, you know, to this day, I'm like looking for ways that I can retrain my mind to really believe that money can be easy. I love that. So yeah. important. Yeah. All right. Last one. If you're being real bougie, what do you splurge on? Oh gosh. I mean, I splurge on my coffee probably, or my matcha. Um, and I actually splurge on a real bougie coffee machine, like a home espresso machine, the Terra Cafe. If you're interested, DM me. <laughs> it's beautiful and I love it. But yeah, I always splurge on my coffee. I'll never hold back on that. I just went on a little girl's trip to the beach and they were cracking up because I was like, I'm 
going to be in charge of the coffee. And I went to the little aisle in the Publix grocery store. And I was like, this is just not going to do. There's nothing organic. There's nothing good. And so I had to go find the coffee. And then it was like a bad coffee maker. And I was just like, nope, next time I'm bringing my crema carafe. Like, you know, like I'm real, I'm a real coffee, coffee snob. So yeah. I love it though. Cause it's so, uh, you're such a saver. It feels like that part of you just like goes wild. It goes rogue. Yeah. I, I just decided long ago that like your little daily joy mean more mm. it really does it means more it's like buy the bouquet you know like buy, buy the, the flower bouquet. Yeah. yeah like get the guac and chips you yeah. know do the small things I don't care if the avocado is extra put it on my sandwich <laughs> you know I mean obviously we're, we're being silly in there that you know I, there were when I was in my 20s I couldn't even afford gas station coffee literally um so you know, but I do think it's important if something brings you a lot of joy and it allows you to show up in a bigger way and, and be your best self, then, then give yourself that, that daily joy. Yeah. Give yourself permission to do it. Don't always, especially as entrepreneurs, don't always look for the ROI. What's right. the ROI of the flower bouquet? It's called just it's a, joy yeah. and inspiration. That's it. J-O-Y. Yeah. Yes. That is. 100% is your ROI. I love that. Oh my gosh. So great. Well, Tiffany, tell us, I'm, I'm really excited to go download this myself. So yeah. what gift do you have for the audience and where can people find you? Yeah. So I have a really fun download. If you are also an entrepreneur and we've talked a lot about mindset today, so this is kind of fitting. I have a download for you that is mantras and affirmations for CEOs. And it's to help you through all seasons of being an entrepreneur, whether you're struggling with sales or team leadership, or just speaking up and being really loud and having a a loud voice. So um, I would be happy to give that to you. And you can find me at tiffanynapper.com. You can actually download that asset at tiffanynapper.com. And on Instagram, I'm at tiffanynapper as well. Beautiful. We will link all that in the show notes. Thank you for being the bright light that you are and for helping us run the marathon, not just the sprint of entrepreneurship. Thank you too, Erin. This was so fun. Are you a creative entrepreneur looking for next level support when it comes to your money mindset and management? It's time to get on top of your numbers once and for all. Do you want to upgrade your lifestyle, make a bigger impact in the world, or gain more time back into your day? Your big dreams are all coming back to one thing, money. So I've developed a secret sauce money matrix formula to combine the power of an abundance mindset with money management tools specifically for creative entrepreneurs like you. Stop hiding from your numbers and start getting strategic. Head to www.aaronbridgman.com to learn everything you need to know about my coaching programs. It's time to completely transform and change the way you view and manage money so you can show up like the wealthy woman you are meant to be. Apply to work with me one-on-one at www.aaronbridgman.com.